Angela Fazio is an industry powerhouse who has overseen 40,000 homes sold and 9 billion in production. And Kristen Cantrell is one of the nation's most accomplished team leaders, helping thousands of agents build their businesses. They are passionate about educating, encouraging, and empowering moms in real estate. Our next episode starts now. Hey everyone, welcome to Moms in Real Estate. I'm Angela Fazio. And I'm Kristen Cantrell. And today we're interviewing <laughs> Steph Huss. Yes, I'm, I think that you guys are going to love today's topic. Since most women experience this when they become mothers, we are going to talk about five steps of how to avoid mom guilt. Ooh. Ooh, I'm ready. Hey Steph, thanks for coming on today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. It is my pleasure. So I've been in business. Um, I've had actually, I started my own business, sold that and joined a second business as a partner for um, 17 years. I've been in my current business with my partner right now for 15. And I've been a CEO of that business for the last six. And all during those 16 years, I've also raised two children. And I'm recently um, empty nesting. So I'm entering a new phase in my life. Um, but I think that there, there are specific challenges that happen when you're a female business owner that aren't necessarily challenges that a male business owner faces. Some do, but not in, in the, to the, to the capacity that, that moms feel that females feel when they're starting a business. So super pleasure to be here to talk to you about mom guilt because I have been there. Yes. And every, I mean, it, most, <laughs> most people who we talk to put something about mom guilt. So I think everyone's all ears right yeah, now. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, def I definitely think it's super relevant for our audience. And I'm actually very excited to learn because although I feel like it gets easier as I've as my kids have gotten older, it's still something that's always there. It is. And, you know, just, just in context, I'm a, a co-owner co of a business consulting firm and we don't work with any specific niche. So we work with people who have small businesses that make $60,000 a year. And we work with people that have really large businesses that make 10, 12, $15 million a year. And across all those businesses and all those different, those different industries, whether it's you're a massage therapist or whether you're a real estate agent or whether you're, you know, a manufacturing company or whether you're an agency owner, the one thing that I see pop up for those female business owners is how to balance it all. And they use the word balance, but what they're saying is, how do I have what I want in my business? And also how can I be my best in my personal life? Like how can I find some peace with this? Because there's always this internal tug of war, right? If you're focusing too much on your business, then you feel guilty because your family's not getting that time with you. If you're focusing too much on your family, you're feeling guilty because you, there's all these things that need to be done in your business. So it's, you know, I was at that point at the very beginning and also in the middle stages of my business where I had to step back and say, okay, this is no longer okay with me. So that was an awesome context because you described perfectly the struggle between business and your personal life. So let's hear your first tip or your first step, whatever it is. Yes. So the first thing that you need to do when you're feeling, when you're feeling this inner tug of war, this mom guilt is to actually stop and ask yourself, whose voice is this? Because what I noticed with myself, and I started my business when I was in my early 30s, um, I think I was actually 30, and I had two small kids. 
Um, and I was trying to balance everything. And I would consistently hear this voice in my head that's saying, you're not being a good mom. You're not being a good mom. You're not being a good mom. And I had to stop and say, whose voice is this? And it actually turned out to be my grandmother's voice. And because I watched how she, how she was a, a grandmother, I heard her say things like, you know, you take care of your family first. You, you feed your family first. That was, those were her values. And those worked for her time. But they're not my values. And they don't work for my time. So part of it is asking, whose voice is this? Because it's not yours. No one was born with shame or guilt. It was all given to you. It was all, it was all learned. So asking yourself whose voice is it allows it to separate from you thinking it's your voice. Because it's not. But then the second part of that first step is asking, is there any truth to this? Because there are times where you're, you've told your, your 10-year-old that today is their day and you're supposed to be spending time with them and every chance you get, you're checking the email on your phone. Like if you're feeling guilty about that, maybe you should be feeling guilty about that. Maybe, you should, maybe that's a key indicator that you've got to change some things in how you're doing things so that you don't feel that. So First, it's asking whose voice is it and is there truth in this? Generally, there's no truth in it whatsoever. Having your own business does not make you a bad mom. It just makes, it just, it just sets a good example for your kids that they should be able to go after whatever they want to go after as well. Um, second is, and so often overlooked, is to prioritize your self-care. So I had a moment where I stepped back and I didn't know who I was in my own life. Because I was so busy doing everything for everyone else. I was so busy keeping my clients happy. I was so busy keeping my kids happy. I was so busy keeping my husband happy and my friends happy and everybody else that I felt like I'd lost touch with who I was in my own life. And when people hear self-care, they think, oh, yeah, I get my nails done once a week or I get a massage once a month. That's not the self-care that I'm talking about. It's about you've got to put yourself back into your calendar. If you look at your calendar and you don't see anything in there for you other than maybe a nail, a nail appointment once a week, where even at the nail appointment, you're sitting there sending emails on your phone, then you've really got to take a step back and say, where am I in my life? What's important to me, right? What do I love to do? What feeds me? Because what ends up happening is that you feel like a power source from, for everyone else, but there's no place that you're getting your power from anymore. And you feel depleted, right? You feel like, you feel like this, this blob that's just going around making everybody happy, but you don't actually really enjoy your life. You're not happy inside. You're just placating everybody else. Right. Mm -hmm. And what was number three? Or that was number three. What's no, that number? Was, that's number two. That's number, that's number two. Number three is, and I think this was the most important one. And well, no, it's, it's an important one and probably one of the most difficult, and that is setting boundaries. So, yes. and this is setting boundaries in two ways. First is setting boundaries between work and family. That means that when mom's at work, everybody knows she's at work and that work time is sacred. Her focus is 100% on work. Unless someone is bleeding, dying, or on fire, nobody interrupts mom at work, right? That also means that when she's not at work and she says she's with you, she's 100% with you. So you're creating quality time rather than shared time, and they know what to expect. There's, like, it's so damaging to a child's self-esteem for you to tell them that 
they're important to you. And then when you're supposed to be spending time with them, you're distracted by your phone and your brain is somewhere thinking of business. That tells them that they're not good enough for your time, that they're not worth your time. So really making sure that you understand the message that you're sending to your kids. When you tell them that it's mom time, it's kid time, and you don't honor that, sends a really strong and actually pretty pretty impactful message to your kids that they're not important enough to have your time because that's all they want. Yes, and being being distracted with your kids also makes you untrustworthy because you said you said one thing and then you did another, and that starts to eat away at them even listening to you because you're not trustworthy. Yep. My gosh, I kind of feel like crap right now because I feel like you know how you go through like in and out of being good at these things. Like at least this is how I am. Like sometimes I'm really on top of being present, and then sometimes I'm like super busy at work and. You know, as you're describing this, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I've totally fallen off the wagon because there's so many times I can think of where I'm like, oh my gosh, like I just have to get this done. And then my kids are fighting for my attention, rightfully so. And like, it's hard because you're like, hold on just a minute, just a minute, just a minute. And you're right because it's like, then there's these empty promises if I say just a minute and really like 30, 40 minutes go by and it's just kind of, yeah, yeah, it's really crappy. That's hard. It's something to work on. And then your kids also pick up that habit. Mm-hmm. So they think yeah. it's okay for them to do that to to you and in their relationships that they get as they get older as well, right? Because kids just model what what they see. They pick up everything. Wait, so, isn't this supposed to be steps to get out of mom guilt? I know. I'm like, I feel like shit right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is good. This is a great reminder yes, for me. It really is. But this, it's really important that, and that, and that that's communicated, right? So it can even be, I'm a big fan of a shared vision. So in our company, we have a three-year vision. It's like a 3D, um, it's like a 3D world of where we want to be in three years. And it's really qualitative. It's not quantitative. It's all based on what we want things to feel like, look like, what experiences we want to have in three years as a team in our company. And everyone here is bought into it which makes them more flexible when stuff happens because it's all for the good of the vision, right? So I really recommend that when your kids are old enough, say maybe even like five or older, that you create a shared family vision. Like what do you want your family to look like? What experiences do you want to have? How do you want your relationships to be? And then share that with your family so that when when something comes up that you might have to change your plans, that you can say, okay, guys, this is one of those examples where I've got to, I've got to change my plans and I've got to change my plans because if we don't, then we're, we're not getting closer to our vision. So they mm-hmm. have a context as to why you're doing the things that you're doing and what's it for. And they also can see how they can help in that. Right. So they may look at that and say, oh, mom's got a quick jump in and put out this fire. I can help because I can set the table tonight or I can take out the, the garbage tonight or I can take this off of her off of her plate today if they don't have assigned mm-hmm. chores. So it's giving context behind why you're doing what you're doing in the first place. Like do your I love kids that. Do your kids know why you why you have a business or what you're what you're trying to do, you know, with your business that also they can see them a self that themselves a part of really helps hold those boundaries. Um, and I mean, let's be honest, it's pretty much like the 85-15 rule. If you if you follow your boundaries 85% of the time, then there is a little wiggle room when something crazy comes up that you just Sure. And it's it's talked about, you know, it's not like you're trying to do you're trying to do this for your kids, but also doing this on the side. It's like, hey, this is what happened. 
I need 30 minutes of straight focus to this and then I'm all yours. Yeah. Such good advice. Yes. That's good. Step three. (laughs) That's for sure. And then the other boundary is around what you allow in your mind. I've talked to so many women business owners and God bless my mother. I talked to so many women business owners that allow their moms to come in and tell them all the things that they're doing wrong as a mother. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. Right. <laughs> like it's, just, it's not okay. So really <laughs> setting up boundaries with, with what you allow in is just as important. Yes, absolutely. I have a mother that doesn't tell me how to mother so much, but tells me how I, how I need to think about my future in my businesses. <laughs> Which is so funny. Does she have a successful business? No. No. That's why it's so funny. It's she's, like. So she's the expert. I know. I know. And, and you know, it's, they, they, they feel like they're trying, they're helping and they're doing the best. Of but course. sometimes you just got to lay down the line and say, you know, mom, I'm not open to this conversation now or ever. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. That and was easy for me. Right? Like, <laughs> and hold that boundary. And it could be from anyone in your life. It could be from a friend that's trying to give you give you advice. It could be from a grandparent. It could be from a mom. It could be from most of the time it's females, unfortunately. Um, but it's really like setting up that, like, this is what I'm allowing in. And then also finding other women that are going through the same thing you're going through to support, to for you to support each other. Like I have, I have some really good female friends that I know I can call on at any time if I'm feeling like. I'm going sideways and they'll, they'll help me write the ship from a really positive mindset place. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. That's so important. So I'm eager for step four. Tell, lay it on us. No, we're <laughs> on step five. No, we're nope. on step four. Boundaries, that was two boundaries. So boundaries oh, was three, yes. but it was two types. Boundaries with who you let into your mind and boundaries with your time. Yes. Got it. Four is allow yourself to be supported. So again, work with a lot of female business owners and very few of them actually have administrative assistance or any help at home. Even the female business owners that are leading four and $5 million businesses that can easily afford an admin assistant or someone to come and do meal prep for them are really uncomfortable receiving that support. And Mm -hmm. it's probably the best things that they can do. Um, Especially if you were born, if you were raised in the, in the Midwest, I was, I'm originally from Wisconsin. There's a lot of value placed on how hard you work. So if I work really hard, then I'm a good person. If I, if I Mm self-sacrifice, then I'm a good mom. Right. And it's, it's not based in any kind of reality. So women are actually nervous to have someone prep because they don't want people to think they can't take care of their family. Women are embarrassed to have an administrative assistant because they don't want someone seeing, seeing behind the scenes that they don't have it all together and they don't have it all going on. Um, but it's one of the it's it's one of the key hires that every single business owner should have as an admin assistant, simply because the tasks that an admin assistant does are of low value, and you want to spend the majority of your high value time doing things that build your business. Do you know what I mean by that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. We okay. talk to people about that all the time. You're, yeah. You're spot on. The hard part is finding the good admin for it's Angela. The, <laughs> yeah. It's finding the right person yeah. is the problem. So I highly recommend using an agency. You've not done that? I have not done and that. And an agency I feel will like actually tried everything. <laughs> so there's a great... 
you can edit this out if you need to, but there's a really great agency called BelaySolutions.com, B-E-L-A-Y Solutions.com, and they will okay. pair you with a really highly qualified executive assistant. Shut up. Um, all right. And they'll interview you to see what your needs are and your personality matches and all of that. And then they'll they'll pair you with someone that meets those criteria and that works best with your personality. We've had multiple clients use them with really great results. So Thank that's for that. like an executive assistant. Um, personal assistant, care.com is a great is a great place to look for, like if you're needing home at help home. Um, and this was tough for me because a, I was born in the Midwest, and the big thing in the Midwest, at least in my generation, is why pay someone to do something you can do yourself, right? That seems like a waste of money to pay someone to do your meal prep or to do your laundry or to come and clean your house or to mow your lawn because you're perfectly capable of doing it yourself. Yes. But what people don't realize is that that's not the best value for your time. So when we were building the business, I was traveling a lot. Like I was traveling all the time and I have two girls and at the time they were five and seven and I was really missing out because I was traveling away from them. So we started bringing them with us occasionally and then we started getting truancy notices from their school. Now, my husband and I are both, are both ex-public education teachers. So <laughs> they're with two teachers and we were getting truancy notices. So we made the really hard decision that we were going to do something alternative. I didn't want to be away from the girls. I still had to travel because that's how I was growing the business. And so we decided to pull them out of school. We hired a private teacher, which is less expensive than you think it is. We hired a private teacher to travel with us um, and to homeschool them in a very non, non, in a very non-traditional homeschool way. So they had a virtual school that they attended. The the teacher that we hired taught them according to the curriculum, and then she traveled with us, and they would get an education based upon where we were traveling. So if we that's actually desert, really cool. Mm-hmm. That's actually really cool. If we really went to cool. the desert, they got to learn all about the desert. If we went to Atlanta, they went to, I don't know, the huge aquarium in, in Atlanta. So it gave them a really well-rounded education, and it was hard because people thought we were crazy. Like, people thought we had drunk the Kool-Aid. They thought our kids were going to be totally maladjusted and antisocial. My kids are now 19 and 22 and fully adulting and, and perfectly fine. Um, but we had to say, we had to sit down and say, we really need help. Like I don't, I never wanted my kids to be my excuse not to do the things that my heart wanted to do, not to lead my purpose, because I felt like that was really unfair to my kids. They didn't ask for that burden, right? Anyone listening who has a mom that decided she wasn't going to pursue her passions because of you. Trust me, she's let you know it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's hilarious. (laughs) She reminds you, right? I made a vow that I was never going to be that mom. Like I was going to follow my heart, follow my desires, help people build my business and also provide and also have a great family at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, I love it. And it, that was the only way we could figure out how to make it work. And we did. And it was, it's amazing. And now it's becoming more, more popular as Mm -hmm. you know, kids are going more, more virtual with school. Um, But we had to allow ourselves to seek that support, even though like we faced some pretty serious backlash from our family and friends about what we were doing. Not going to lie to you. It was, it was pretty rough for a while. And then they got used to it and they realized that my girls weren't, you know, mutes and (laughs) 
no, totally malicious. Yeah. Completely fine. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're completely fine. And they've seen, I mean, they've had quite the education. They've been all over the country and they've helped work our events. So they've got an entrepreneurial um, work ethic. Um, and it, it worked for us, but that's, that's number four. You've got to allow yourself support. If nothing else, an administrative or personal assistant and someone to help with the stuff at home, because wouldn't you rather spend that free time either growing your business, focusing on business development rather than managing your own inbox, managing your own calendar, managing your own travel, and then time at home, wouldn't you rather spend time with your kids than doing the laundry and cleaning the house and, and meal prep, right? Yeah, like, very good. No, I like that. All right, let's let's do let's end it with number five. So number five is I had to learn to celebrate my successes. So I really feel like I was programmed at a young age to look at only the things that I did wrong. Like it's it was never okay for you to to celebrate yourself or to appreciate yourself because that's seen as arrogant. That's seen as self-centered, right? But the truth is, is that when you focus only on the negative, you miss out on all the amazing things that you do as both a business owner and as a mom. And when you're celebrating yourself and you're appreciating yourself, the guilt gets much, much quieter in the background. Mm -hmm. And that could be like, wow, I really appreciate my ability to be a leader both in my business and at home. I really appreciate that I've given an opportunity um, for someone to make money being my personal assistant. And then that money is helping them in their family. So it's focusing on the, the successes and the celebrations rather than on all the negative stuff. And here's a great practice to get in even with your family. So we do something called appreciations and gratitude. It's fascinating to watch kids do this because little kids have no problem appreciating themselves right? You say, honey, what do you appreciate about yourself? And they'll say, I appreciate my toes and I appreciate my pink shoes and I appreciate my hair. And, I, and they'll think of everything to appreciate. You ask an 18 year old what they appreciate about themselves and you'll get crickets, right? So getting in the habit of, of like verbally saying, these are the three things that I appreciate about myself. And these are the three things that I'm grateful for starts to reprogram you to focus on things that actually fill you up rather than completely drain you. And when you're when you're filling yourself up, it becomes much more difficult for that guilt to be in control. I love I think those that. Are the, the, I think those are the most practical five tips that I've, I, well, I've never heard anybody say, here are some, here are a list of tips. So I, um, I'm a hundred percent sure that our audience will be like, rewind, let me listen to that one again. Um, because it's such a common thing. So we thank you so much for assembling your thoughts around yes. this this subject mm -hmm. and being able to articulate five very practical things that the women who are listening can do. So thank you so much. Absolutely. And we will put in the show notes how you guys can get a hold of Steph. Yes, absolutely. And if there's any, I know you gave me a really cool resource I'll put in there too for a leadership quiz. So yes. So we've created a, um, a leadership quiz. Now it's not like your normal leadership quiz. This is their We've, we've kind of boiled this down in our 30 plus combined years of experience. We've combined this down into four different types of leaders and each leader has strengths and weaknesses. And this is how you do, how you do anything is how you do everything. So how you're a leader in your business is actually how you're a leader everywhere in your life. You just might not notice it. So this works for anyone in business or outside of business, but it really boils down to like one type of leader 
can be very easily controlled by um, uh, by lack of boundaries. So they'll consistently let people break their boundaries. They won't keep a set of calendar. They'll self-sacrifice. and But their strength is that they love growing people. So they're more of a mentor, mentor leader where they love growing people. They love it, but they have very poor boundaries. One of the leadership styles shouldn't actually be a people manager at all. They're not, they're not about managing people. They're about the big vision and just talking about the big vision. So if you take the leadership assessment, it's located on our website, which is lifeisnowinc.com. It will spit out a report totally for free, no strings attached. You won't get bombarded by 5,000 emails. Um, <laughs> it will tell you what type of leader you are and what your strengths and weaknesses are. And it's funny because you'll read it and go, wow, that, yep, that's me. Yep, that's me. Yep, that's me. And it'll also give, give you some suggestions on how to overcome the weaknesses. So you'll get practical, te- practical tips on how to overcome those. Awesome. Thank you so much, Steph. Yes, we appreciate your time and all of your tips. Hey, ladies, listen, if you have not yet attended a Flourish event, go to www.theflourishevent.com and figure out a way to get to it. It's the most rewarding, well-rounded women's seminar that you will attend. And we want to see you there. Steph, thank you so much again for your time. And uh, thank you guys for watching. Thank you.